Generation what? Welcome to Generation What? I'm Lise. And I'm Stuart. And we're so happy to have you listening in to our very first episode today, which is going to be Dating Red Flags. Yeah, because um, we both feel that we are dating red flags and we want to communicate that in the most insensitive possible way to the largest possible audience on the internet. <laughs> but do you want to maybe give the people an introduction to who we are and why we even decided to start a podcast in the first place? Uh, I absolutely do. So um, um, we are both people uh, living on planet Earth who have an interest in stuff that we don't know much about. So we set up this podcast to educate each other, but also kind of because we come at things from different viewpoints. So uh, I, I am a very late millennial sort of uh, just just hanging on to the cusp of being a millennial and uh, you're very much uh, smack in the middle of Gen Z uh, and so that gives us very different points of view on stuff and I thought it would be fun to bounce off but mostly I think it was just that we were talking in a cafe and we were having such a great chat and I, I think we both just decided at this particular point this would make a great podcast why are we not monetizing our discussions so that's what we're doing. I feel like every single conversation that we've had thus far, there comes a point where I think the exact same thing. Why the hell are not more people listening to this? Because we make each other laugh, we have great discussions, and we see different sides of the same coin. So lots of our conversations come up to the conversation, like the topic of why the hell aren't more people listening in on this? So welcome to to, I guess, a cafe, maybe something more drinking session with Stuart and Lise. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we, we will be drinking coffee. We may also be drinking other things as the series goes on, depending on how well it goes. Um, but something we were talking about off air before we started this was we're, we're both kind of dads without being dads. And the reason for that is because we both know how to come up with terrible puns and terrible jokes. And they're not even the kinds of jokes designed to make people laugh, are they? They're, they're more the jokes just designed to... Uh, Face palm. Yeah, but almost to show that we're smart, but in a not smart sort of way. And I wonder, is a dad joke a dating red flag, Lise? For me, since I, I am a father without a wife, <laughs> I would say... <laughs> Um, I would like to say no, and I think anybody who makes dad jokes is extremely sexy, in my opinion, because these kinds of jokes, you have to be somewhat witty to come up with them, and there's a very thin line of just being so terrible that it's, it's just absolutely perfect, and I think that's brilliant. I want to start off by talking about our dating histories because we've both got checkered dating histories, but uh, I, I think it's fair to say that you're in a you're in a good patch of your dating history right now, or maybe you'd say you've exited your dating history into something else. Uh, I'm I'm very much still in there. I'm I'm enjoying my midlife crisis in a kind of whirlpool. So uh, maybe maybe let's maybe let's begin with our dating histories. So how would you categorize your dating history? all over the place. I feel like as much as a, I've grown as a person, my dating history is sort of like adapted with me. Uh, looking at everybody that like maybe I've swiped right on or how I've went on dates with, it's a jungle. There have been circus artists down to politicians at this point. So I've dated, <laughs> I like to say I've dated everyone at, the, at this point, or at least, or at least everyone's brother. You can tell me, so off, my... <laughs> you can tell me off air who the politician was as well. No, he's going to sue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just... may or may not have signed an NDA. <laughs> Tr trust me, every, everything off the record is fine, but... Uh, no, that that's that's just intrigued me way more than what we were going to talk about. But uh, no, we <laughs> stop talking about that, Stu. Anyway, um, yeah. So my dating history, I would say, is all over the place as well. But in the sense of, 
I don't really have a type and um, that will surprise anyone who's seen the kind of person I go out with but I I honestly don't go into um, dating apps or wherever it may be or a singles party or you know speed dating or anything like that with an idea of the kind of person I want to meet and maybe that is why the results don't turn out the best or, um, or don't always turn out the best but yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm quite open to different types, but equally, I, I kind of sell myself short from time to time. So maybe if I were a little bit more picky, then I would find the kinds of people who would find me more interesting then. But uh, would you describe yourself as a, as a picky dater in the past? Mm, no, absolutely not. I definitely have a type. To the point where, when I first started dating my current boyfriend, I when I mentioned this to my mother's boyfriend, uh, for some weird reason, then he said something that will forever stick with me, which was like borderline offensive. And he said, no, no, wait, you don't even have to show me his picture. I know exactly what he looks like. And I was like, oh, shit. And I was taken aback for a bit. And then I started to think like from like... Out of all the guys I've had serious or semi-serious relationships with, they could be brothers. And it's to the point where it's starting to get a bit creepy. That's not even borderline offensive. That That is offensive. Um, <laughs> but I, I do want to uh, sort of uh, put a pin in the idea of your mom knowing so much about your dating history. Is that healthy, do you think? My mom's boyfriend... <laughs> Even, not even my mom. Um, yeah, I'd say it is. I have a very special relationship with my mom. Shout out to my mom. You're probably listening this to this. May not want to listen to this entire episode. We're going to be talking about some rather not so PG stuff that maybe you don't want to know that your daughter has been doing. But hi, mom. I think our relationship is very healthy. We're very close. We have more of a uh, sister relationship rather than a normal mother-daughter relationship. And it's been very enlightening growing up with a mother like that because I don't have any siblings. There's no one I could, you know, steal their makeup from and like learn how to, I don't know, date boys and stuff like that. So I've had my mom play that older sister role in my life, which has been very, very fuzzy and lovely. Yeah, and um, has she given you any guidance on uh, the kinds of people who you maybe would like to date? Uh, not necessarily, but I remember this one time when we were driving somewhere and we were sitting in a traffic jam and we were just on a um, at a red light. And then she was making some jokes about like how my future husband is, he has to be like this influential, rich, power guy because I'm such an independent woman. And then, but she was talking about it in such a, like a funny way. And as she finished, finishes her sentence, a limo drives by us, <laughs> like just like it just drives past us and she starts laughing laughing points at the limo and says that that is the type of car you should be sitting in the back seat of not some stupid honda <laughs> okay so so she's very impressed by the superficial factors and i've never met your mom so uh, i'm assuming she's a lovely person but would would you say that you are similarly impressed by shiny things no and i don't think she is that that was a joke um no we're definitely not material people at all but okay. speaking of types, I the first thing that I look for in a person is obviously intelligence. But a person has to be funny. Uh, at the end of the day, or at the end of your life cycle, to put it in a very dark way, everything fades. Your looks fade, your intelligence fades. Like status, everything may go away, but a funny person is going to be funny till the end. And... I just imagine myself being very old. Hopefully my tits won't be in my knees. They probably will, but as long as my partner is able to make fun of that, that's that's just going to be anything that any any relationship that I want to be a part of. 
So do, do you think that we all kind of, maybe not all of us, but do you think maybe some people, specifically men, think too much about how people look right now and whether someone, oh, that person will make will, will make a good couple with me, uh, when actually they should be thinking about how they will look in 30 or 40 years' time? I think it's more of a newer generation thing to be obsessed with shiny things. And I think... Um, previous generations value the person more than the shiny things, but that's also probably because maybe 40, 50, 60 plus years ago, we didn't have that many shiny things. And today your status could be centered around the material objects that you possess. What do you think? Yeah, I I was just listening to that and I I was thinking back to my answer that I didn't really have a type and I think I was lying a little bit um, because actually I think I do have a type and I think it's typified by the fact that um, so many people, and this is not a boast, it's just something that happens to everyone, so many people have liked me or tried to drop hints that that they liked me in situations like at school going back or university or at work. And I've never picked up on those hints. And um, it, I'm, I'm a bit of a dunderhead when it comes to picking up hints. I'm maybe a little bit, a little bit autistic as well. But what, what that all means is that people feel offended. They feel like I don't show any interest in them. And the people I am showing an interest in are the sort of very obvious uh, out there um, blonde girls, that ki- that kind of thing. And m- maybe. In chasing after those people, in chasing after the people who look really attractive, I'm missing out on a really good time with the people who are a bit shy, you know, need some bringing out of their shells, but are a lot funnier, perhaps. People who are usually very in their own shells, they take some time to warm up, but from my experience, those are the wildest people you will ever meet. So they take more time to warm up, but once they're warm, you cannot be able to cool. You you may not be able to cool them down. So give it a shot. Give the shy girls a shot. I think I need. Or some... maybe maybe give them an actual shot to warm up. <laughs> Indeed, I I think I need someone who is willing to take the piss out of me as well because. Um, a lot of people, they, they hold back on the first date. They kind of think, well, I, I don't want to offend him. and But I, I think I, I need someone who is clearly on my level and who knows that it's okay to take those metaphorical shots at me. Um, you, you like to be taken the piss out of as well, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I make fun of myself because I'm very secure about the person that I am. Therefore, nobody can say worse things about me than whatever I say about myself. And whenever someone comes up with a genius new like way of insulting me that I don't necessarily think about myself, then I I don't seem to find that offensive. I think as long as it's like witty, clever wordplay, it's all fun and games, but... The things that can hurt you are the things that you think about yourself. And sometimes we think about those things about ourselves and we assume that everyone else thinks them too, don't we? Yeah. Something that I've learned recently is a very simple thing, that, has, uh, but it, it, it's helped me clear my anxiety loads, which is no one cares about you. It may be a very dark thing to, to say, but I recently joined a gym and being someone who has never worked out, I've always been more on the chubbier side. I've never been perceived as a thin girl. It was extremely nerve-wracking for me to show up at the gym. And once I realized that, well, first of all, half of the people there are women, and women tend to be more self-critical than they have the time to be critical towards others. So I'm already ruling out half of the people in that gym who may criticize me. So half of those people that are left are are gay men who will never pay any attention to me anyway and will never see me as attractive or unattractive. So they don't matter anyway. Then a sliver of that is those, you know, those like really bulky gym guys who can like lift cars. Like those types Mm -hmm. will, they're going to find me unattractive anyway if I'm not a bodybuilder. So that leaves a very, very small sliver of people which are the nice people, if people like you and me who are just at the gym to work out, have a great time, work on themselves, so they don't care about you. So by doing all of that math, the only person that cares is yourself. So if you take the time to be very critical of yourself, 
you're just wasting that time. Because, again, no one gives a shit about you. I was in the gym yesterday, and I cannot remember a single face of the people in the gym. Ooh, I have a good gym story to tell you. Go on, then. I, I have a, um, a how I met your father type of story from the gym, which I think this guy will definitely remember me as the girl from the gym. Mm. So what happened was I was feeling particularly gassy one day and I was in the gym and I was working out and I was on a, I was like doing some like weightlifting uh, machine, but in my gym, how the machines are uh, placed is that when I was on this machine, there was another machine right across from me. So my face was maybe a meter and a half away from this other dude's face. Mm-hmm. And I'm just finishing my set and I'm doing this pull down with the absolute most that I have in me. I'm sweating like a pig. I'm tired and I'm like, okay, I can get through this. And I take this one like last breath and I start to pull down and I look this poor man in the face and I just let out a huge burp <laughs> while maintaining eye contact with this poor man. I just burp. Unbelievable. I I know. I think the situation would have been more like acceptable if I wasn't maintaining eye contact with him. I'm, I mean, I'm a person. I have gases flowing out of my body. That's normal. <laughs> but the sheer moment that I was just maintaining deep eye contact with him for no reason at all. I wasn't like even admiring him or anything. I, it was just I had nowhere else to look because his face was just across from my face. I was just looking at him. I let out this huge burp. I I start laughing. He starts laughing. I'm so embarrassed at this point that I just like, I run away. I wipe my machine down and I just like flee to the other side of the gym. And I it takes me like a few minutes to cool down from everything. But I'm still laughing at this point. <laughs> and I get on with my workout routine. Like 20 minutes go by and then like... I think I was like about to leave the gym or something and I I'm but I'm walking somewhere and he's like walking straight like at my direction <laughs> and we're just both looking at each other just like smiling ear to ear and <laughs> it was so funny um I'm on this uh weight loss support group for like women empowerment sort of like Facebook group so I posted this story there and this <laughs> this girl comments on my post saying like hundred bucks says you'll be married in three years. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's your long-term boyfriend. No, he's not. My long-term boyfriend was not the gym with me. So when this happened, I ran straight to him and I was like crying laughing. And I told him the story and he found it so <laughs> funny as well. So no, not going to be. I thought I was going to be the one telling embarrassing stories on this podcast, but I, I think I think you've just made my made my life a lot easier there. Thank you for thank you for helping me there. You're welcome. But since today's episode is dating red flags, yeah. do you think expressing bodily functions, let's call it that, that's such a wide umbrella to what that means. Do you think expressing bodily functions too soon into dating is a red flag? Well, um, there's an author uh, called Martin Amis, and uh, there's there's a quote in one of his books that says, uh, "You know you're comfortable with uh, your uh, you, you know you're comfortable with your partner when you when your brain goes to realize that they take a shit, um, that they defecate essentially." Um, and I kind of feel the same thing about um, um, uh, dating partners. Uh, pe- people shouldn't ever. If, in my opinion, people shouldn't ever think that the other person pisses or shits the same way that you do, because it it kind of takes away the mystique that comes from getting to know someone. Um, an example. Um, if I invited someone round to my flat and they used my toilet and they said, I'd give it 10 minutes if I were you, that's perfectly good etiquette. It's something that you should do, but... It would be in my mind whenever I spoke to them forevermore. But if I'd been going out with them for, I don't know, nine months, a year, two years, it would be nothing. It would be one of those things you'd laugh about. How do you feel about that? 100% agree. It takes some time to feel comfortable and you don't even get comfortable with uh, with most of the people in your life to, to do that. But 
the moment you start feeling comfortable enough to talk about those things and, you know, make some sounds and make it apparent that I also use the bathroom, it's a very, it's a very special, uh, you know, like milestone in the relationship. I, I agree. And also, maybe people who invite other people around to their house too early are dating red flags as well. I, I think that th there does seem to be a social norm, which isn't a social rule, but a social norm that you don't invite anyone around for a date at your place for at least the first date, maybe even the second or third date. Um, we've broken that, by the way, because I invited you to my place on the second date, but still, um, one of those things. But how do, you, how do you feel about the whole inviting people around thing? Because... Um, people seem to take it as a real red flag because they seem to think that uh, the other person presumably thinks that sex is bound to be involved. Mm -hmm. Exactly what I wanted to say. So I think it's a green flag for hooking up because like, oh, come to my place. It, it's you, you. It sounds like a hookup. And if it doesn't happen, then then I don't know. It feels it, it feels weird to like, why couldn't we do other stuff? But given that our second date was in the midst of a pandemic and the second date with my current boyfriend was also at my place because everything was closed there was nothing you could do even if you wanted to mm. yeah although I, I think we overstate this a bit in estonia i mean um i read a lot of instagram posts from that time and it talks about a police state and all that kind of stuff in estonia's never really had huge restrictions they they shut the gyms for a few weeks when it got really bad but like uh, you you could you could still go to a cafe even when everyone was sneezing on each other um i i don't know maybe i um, maybe we're getting a bit too political here but am i wrong one thing is restri restrictions. The other one is how comfortable do you feel going out in the midst of a pandemic when everybody around you is saying you have to be responsible, hashtag stay home, so you want to stay home. And, well, looking back on those second dates that maybe, or first dates that I've actually gone to someone's house or invited someone over, they have been quite lovely. But then again, those relationships rarely evolve into something where you do something outside of those closed doors. Mm. I think I have been on hookup dates before now, but not for a long, long time. And I, I think I realised that I wasn't very good at them because I would always develop feelings for someone that I'd been intimate with. Um, and it, it's just, it, Once you develop feelings for someone, you, you can't do the hookup thing anymore. Do you think developing feelings too fast is a red flag? I think it is because I think it shows someone is overly clingy and maybe there's some sort of, I don't know, uh, teenage or childhood trauma there, something to do with their parents or uh, may maybe it's just that they're not ready for the pressure of a relationship because, you know, relationships are like hamsters. Um, they, they can die a lot more quickly than you expect them to and... I, I just think that some people are delicate souls that aren't ready for that. But I don't know. Um, it, it's something I haven't quite answered for myself yet. Have you seen that post on, I think it was either Twitter or someplace where there was like a thread of like people just explaining how their hamsters have died? Funniest thing ever. No. And <gasps> I, I, actually, I, I, I drew comics of a hamster many years ago. Uh, Comic Homic, the happy hamster from Poland. And um, uh, I, I, I drew these comics and uh, I, I even developed a Twitter account for this hamster. And it, it got such a following. And I thought about bringing it back years later. And in fact, I, I kind of did in a very small way. I, I've still... Okay, I've still got the hamster account on my tweet deck, along with all the corporate accounts I use, which is um, which is going to be really funny if I if I tweet the wrong thing on one of those, really, isn't it? Um, mm. And uh, I I just I just can't bring myself to think that the hamster would have died a long time ago if it was real. Mm. Yeah, maybe you should make a. Uh... Wait, what was his name? Uh, so comic homic or comic for short, the happy hamster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe you should make a comic has passed away sort of post as a sort of like a very last attempt. 
I'm not very good with death. I'm not very good with letting go. And, um, you know, as this is a comedy podcast, what, what I will say is that may, maybe the, the whole conceit for this podcast, which was two people who uh, who who once who twice dated uh, doing a podcast together. Maybe this whole thing shows that I'm not very good at letting go of things. Who knows? <laughs> good one. So this has been an extremely long third date. So we, we've talked we've talked about our types and we've talked about how some of those types might now be considered red flags. Have your red flags changed since you started dating to now? I do have a huge list of red flags, 300 to be exact. I'm going to read you one which ties into what we were talking about before. So in this list that I have, number 69, not pun not intended. Nice. It is. He only comes to your place, but you never go to his. What is he hiding? Is that a red flag? <laughs> um, I'm not the uh, I'm not the tidiest person in the world. I I tr- I try to clean regularly, but I'm also a bit of a maximalist when it comes to collecting stuff. So collecting stuff means collecting dust, and when you don't like to throw things away, that can sometimes be a bit embarrassing. And I think some people just live in fear of their potential future girlfriend seeing something which they don't want them to. I'm not talking about porn. I'm not talking about dirty mags or anything. I'm I'm, I'm talking about like, um, you know, maybe a spot of dust on the windowsill, that kind of thing. All of these things, you don't know. They could be considered red flags to somebody else. And again, do you want to be in a relationship with a person who judges you about a smudge on a mirror? Probably not. Do I want to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't clean the mirror before inviting someone round? Touche. Hmm. But yeah, I was it, actually. I I think I think also um, the more perfect someone tries to make their place seem, the more neurotic they get about the process of dating. So actually, it's good to just take a step back from that and think, look. Fuck it, you know, we're meant to be having fun here. This isn't an examination. Oh, absolutely. I was actually in a year-long relationship with someone who never invited me over to his place. It was a very open, not open relationship in like into what that actually means, but we were very open with each other and it was a very trusting relationship. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I never went around to his place. He was always at my place. Hmm. There were times that I thought that is this man homeless? <laughs> but <laughs> once we did the breaking up but still staying friends bit gag for a bit, then it, I did go over to his apartment. And it was a tiny one bedroom, so but it was like nice. There were no like dead prostitutes in the corner. It didn't smell of like he just took out the dead prostitutes like a minute before I got there. So I don't know. There's nothing like to worry about, but I did at some points into the relationship think like does he actually have a wife and two kids and what else is he hiding from me so maybe that one bedroom was actually his second home his crash pad oh no and now you're making me spiral hmm well uh, you made me spiral spiral when you mentioned that person you'd signed an NDA to avoid talking about that's um I all the way through I've been listening to your conversations and I've also been thinking I wonder I wonder if I can guess who it is so uh when when we're off air I'm definitely going to ask you and you're definitely not going to tell me anyway um I I agree with you on number 69 I I think that that is a nice. red flag um so I think I think also Look, uh, this might be an age thing, but number 86, he won't stop partying. If you're over 30, then one night at the club is enough each week. I think that is true when you're over 30. And um, Each week? Each week? That's what it says on the website. I I can't change what it says on the website, but I, I think that it is true if you're over 30. But here's the thing, right? Given that I have been known in the past to go out with uh, women who are under 30, I mean, like, sensibly under 30, but like, you know, um, um, but under 30 still, um, I think that there has to be a certain amount of compromise done by the older person in that they need to be prepared to go to a few more parties and they need to have a bit more sort of youthful energy than they would do for someone, well, more appropriately aged towards them. 
What do you think about this? Am I overthinking? I'm not the greatest person to ask this because I'm not a party girl. I had a brief period in my life where I was a party girl, but when I say brief period, I think I just had a wild weekend when I was like 18. But I've never been the type of to go to crazy parties. So this is why I was shocked to hear like one night at a club a week is enough. Like, I think I go to a club, well, now less, but on average, maybe once a year. And that is mostly against my will because I have a group of friends just dragging me in there. But I guess there are still people over 30 who who party that hard. And I don't think even age is a factor here. However old you are, if you're single, if you're in a relationship with someone, you should be able to go out. My boyfriend told me an interesting story. This was uh, in his previous relationship where he went out with friends, I think, and this older woman started like uh, flirting with him and he Mm. kept a reasonable distance and everything. But what happened was she ended up buying him drinks the entire night and they were dancing and everything was civil and everything no lines were crossed that's what i've heard and then when she suggested that it's time to go home now he was like no i'm just gonna go home to my girlfriend okay bye which is pretty ballsy move so yeah even if you are in a relationship if no lines were crossed he did nothing wrong if if such behavior is accepted in your relationship then as long as you're having fun as long as no one's feelings are hurt or promises aren't being broken, you should be able to do whatever you want. Okay, I, I think I agree with you there. What's the next red flag you've got for us? Um, ba, 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 okay. So this one is directly connected to what we were just talking about. He has a lot of female friends. This can hmm. go either way, mainly depending on if he'd slept with them if he were single. So... Th- I guess this whole list is from a woman's point of view, but we can think about it both ways. Do you think if someone necessarily has, if a man has necessarily a lot of female friends or if a female has a lot of male friends, is that a red flag? I can see it from the other side. Uh, I have had uh, girlfriends in the past who have complained about the number of female friends that I've had and essentially have said, um, uh, you know, about specific people with whom I went out with before that relationship, uh, that's a red flag. I'm not, uh, uh, you know, that's a deal breaker. You need to stop talking to them. And it generally has ended very badly for for all parties uh, when, when that's happened. I think you need to ask why that person has a lot of uh, friends of the opposite gender. If it's if it's if it's or the, the opposite sex, rather, um, if it's if it's just because they get on better with them then that's fine if there's some sort of sinister undertone or if they secretly fancy that person and just don't have the nerve to make a move so they're going out with someone who you know is easier to talk to or easier to you know get get on a date get on a date with then that's kind of the wrong way to look at it but i think that there are cases yes when if a man has too many too many woman friends that can be a deal breaker i can see it from that side Hmm. in terms of a woman having too many male friends actually the reason why i'm thinking that way is because yeah i might be a bit upset if they did but again i i think relationships are about compromise and um if two people have got a problem with that then they're probably not the people for each other anyway Mm -hmm. i agree I think I I had a period in my life where I had lots of male friends. I had like maybe one girlfriend and like multiple, multiple guys that I was friends with. And now thinking back, what I think was happening was that I was on a lot of dating apps at that point in my life. And I'm a very social person. I love to talk. I love meeting new people. And what ended up happening was this was a time in my life where I was only meeting guys. And... with the most of them we never got to this like sexual chemistry part and i have i think all of if i had to like create a list of 
my guy friends, I think the majority of them would be guys that I've met off of Tinder, but never had some sort of like chemistry going. So we just met, became friends, and that's how it is. And like vice versa, I haven't had the chance to just meet so many women that I can be friends with. So it's a very classical way that I've met all my girlfriends. It's either through work or mutual friends. But meeting other guys is just been something that happens during dating, you know? I do know. And I I think that, you know, life is life is a process and we sometimes don't know how that process is going to work. We might we might think, oh, that person's my dream girl or boy or whoever, and they might turn out not to be, but they might turn out to be a fantastic person to have around for other reasons. Um, you know, maybe they're a good laugh, maybe they're very smart and they can teach you something, maybe both. So um, I think I would be very upset if I were asked to ditch a friend who was not specifically problematic for another person. But on the opposite, is if someone doesn't have a lot of friends, could that be considered a red flag? It would show that maybe they had something very specific that meant that they weren't good mixers, usually. So I, I know that stereotypes are all around and later on in the series we're going to talk about anime, but there are there are other stereotypes about, you know, fans of things. So... I've, I've, I'm a lifelong Formula One fan. Now, Formula One is currently the coolest thing around because people love the thing on Netflix. But there was a time when being a Formula One fan meant that you were the world's biggest nerd and you were going to school and no one would talk to you about the race on Sunday. So you just learned to keep quiet. Or at least that, that was what it was like when I was at school. And I think there are other things that you can be fans of to an obsessive degree particularly if you're a little bit autistic and that can turn people off you and you know life isn't fair and we don't make the rules unfortunately very true and that's actually very sad to hear but i also love it how it's it's become sort of a meme but how the kids who never used to be like cool growing up are now the biggest hunks so someone who maybe loved formula one back when they were a kid and were considered nerds are now extremely doing extremely well they have a very sexy new podcast (laughs) wink wink (laughs) and uh, maybe they've been making a motorsport podcast for years which uh, which which they're hoping people would tune into motiony podcast folks if you're interested anyway um yeah so there there are things like that and also i feel like and this is not 100 percent true in all cases but you mentioned the gym earlier um, those people who were singled out for maybe being a bit weedy or being a bit fat or or both um, or just, you know, not fitting in physically with the sort of um, um, uh, with, with the very sort of labyrinthine social norms of school. They're usually the people who work out in the gym to excess in order to get a better body. And I'm not promoting working out to excess. You should work out as much as as much as suits you and make sure you get plenty of rest and eat the right things. But usually they're people who look after themselves in later life and then sometimes they can surprise people. I'm not I'm not putting myself in that box, but there are people I know and I think of them at school and then I look at their Facebook photos and I think, wow, someone got hot recently. (laughs) But it goes the other way around also. I feel like looking back at people who used to bully me in school, they're not really doing well in life today. Have you experienced that? I think that's true. And I think sometimes the most popular people in school that's that's their domain and it's like being world champion of a of a very small fish pond and then when you get out into the ocean and you realize oh fuck uh it can be soul destroying to those people it's like the quarterback in the american high school movie i i feel like (laughs) i feel like those people never really leave high school do they i matched with my high school bully on tinder a few years ago and it was the best feeling a girl could have like I saw his profile come up and he's exactly the way that I remembered him just being a low life and all. And I swiped right just as, as like, I just want to see where this goes. And it, I got a match immediately and I, I left it at that. And then immediately after he messaged me saying like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. Look at you. How have you been? Never visit our old back, our old, 
our hometown and blah 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 <laughs> he kept saying like talking to me like like nothing ever happened mm. and and i made small talk with him and then he was nice but he was also hitting on me and mm. i think whatever happened left a bigger mark on me than it did on him so i i never called him out on it i just let it be and then i think i even unmatched him or something I, th but... I think I think maybe also he was trying to pretend that nothing had happened because he wanted to make amends but didn't know how to say it. Yeah, he's trash. Well, I, I've never matched with a school bully on Tinder, so I, I don't know that feeling. But I, I have matched with some people um, who just haven't sent me anything back of any particular... So... When we matched on Tinder, uh, I was I was in the gym fiddling with Tinder because I knew I'd rather be fiddling with Tinder than lifting weights. That's that's my life. Always <laughs> distracted from the thing I should be doing. And um, we matched, and um, I thought, oh crikey, I'm I would I would be lucky if I got a date with her. But you know, I'll send her a message just in case. So I so I sent you a message like a good soldier, and. Um, you replied within three minutes. And I was like, what is this? Actually, one of my first thoughts was maybe it's a fake account because no oh. one could be that quick to reply and that funny. Thank you. I was quick to reply. This is not going to make you feel better. I'm so sorry. But I, I had a period in my life where I was, where I was very toxically attached to, to my phone. Uh, this was also the time where I recently got out of a serious relationship so anyone uh, paying attention to me was also very exciting to me so I had to reply quickly because I, I was a bit desperate also. <laughs> I do remember that you were uh, you were really really into TikTok trends at that time and uh, I, I believe you still are but like not in the same way and um, I, I felt at that time like uh, there were not many conversations that we could have without your phone being involved. But I feel now that when we have conversations, they're very much offline, aren't they? Yeah, and it's also because at that time I was working as a social media manager. So I had to be on top of TikTok trends and it was my job to know these things. So I've sort of made it my entire personality to know these things. And that's fair enough, because when whenever I've worked in something, I've become um, obsessed with that thing as well. Um, I've I've worked for I've worked for tech startup companies, and um, I've I've then gone on to uh, be okay. I'm going to reference a meme now. Do you know Do you know that meme where the guy is shouting in the girl's ear in a nightclub? Yes, of course. Yes. So I've been that guy talking about the tech industry in nightclubs. <laughs> That's why I hate going out. That's why I hate nightclubs. You just you you're grinding there. You're sweaty, and then someone asks you something. Your eardrum hurts, and then you have to reply like "what?" because you just don't hear anything. So, n take me to prison for those five hours that you want to be at the nightclub. I'd rather spend my time in jail than be at a nightclub with someone. But there is an insecurity there. Or at least, at least there is for me in nightclubs because. Uh, in in a straight nightclub, the the gay nightclubs we'll get onto at another point. But like in the straight nightclubs, I I just have this thought in the back of my mind that I'm not I'm I'm not the type that people are looking for. I'm I'm not tall. I'm not conventionally physically like um, you know chiselled uh, like like these guys that that the girls were talking to at the time um, were, and I I just thought to myself. I've got to have something different here. I've got to make them laugh. And of course, that's the thing you can't do in a nightclub. Nightclubs are a horrible way to meet people. I know the town that you grew up in. It's by the seaside. It's very small. It lights up in summer. I would have thought people dating in that town would have to go to a nightclub. No, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I left that town when I was 15 or 16. So I think I got over that hype by the time I actually turned 18 so it wasn't that attractive to me anymore there is a way of drinking legally and responsibly and doing it maybe by turning up the class knob a little bit and um, feeling a little bit better about yourself um can i tell you a bit a bit about that potential opportunity lise go ahead all right 
I'm talking about the sponsor of Generation What, which is Ullenort. Uh That's um, a premium craft beer brewery from Estonia. I like their stuff. Uh, whenever I'm in the supermarket, I make sure that my uh, trolley or my basket has at least one of their bottles in there. Um, I'm a big fan of their uh, sauna ale in particular, which has a bit of an oaky, smoky taste uh, to, to to build onto that sort of uh, that American ale taste. But uh, I, I also like their alcohol-free beer, which is perfect for well anything perfect for working from home with working from home with zoom calls or um, anything where you just need to mellow out a little bit but you can't uh, but you can't get drunk um, do remember drink responsibly and uh, drink alcohol free if, if you're worried but you can find anything you want in terms of craft beer on the Ullinaut website that is Ullenort, that is O-L-L-E-N-A-U-T dot E-E. And if you go on there and use the discount code GENERATION, that is spelt in the English way, then uh, you can get 25% off your purchase. And please do let us know if you like it. Believe you're not a big beer fan, Lise, but uh, if you were out dating and someone took a premium quality craft beer, would that be a green flag to you? 100% it would be. And I'm so happy that you mentioned their non-alcoholic beers because as a person who who is taking a break from alcohol for many different reasons, Ulanaut's Kainekken, love that name, dad jokes again, their Kainekken series is absolutely perfect for people like me who don't fancy an alcoholic drink in their lives. Having someone drink quality Beer and alcohol overall is is definitely a green flag. I think whatever you put into your body, whether that be healthy or unhealthy with like alcohol, definitely shows off uh, how they treat themselves and how they treat their body. Would you say, though, and moving back to red flags, that a red flag is a man who takes a bit too much care of himself? I'm thinking in particular of the guy from the Shania Twain song, That Don't Impress Me Much. He says flexing his early millennial uh, pop music references. So this is a guy who thinks he's Brad Pitt, carries a comb in his pocket, and obviously works out just a bit too much. Now, I went through my working out a bit too much phase. Uh, I had to to get a job that was too demanding in order to uh, wean myself off that. But if you see someone who is just a bit too muscular and a bit too happy in the tight shirts and whatever, is that a bit of a turnoff to a to a girl? Yeah, I don't want my boyfriend to have better hair than me or smell better than me. Shania Twain's That Don't Impress Me That Much is my go-to uh, warm-up song in the gym. I'm not kidding. I think it's the perfect pace. It's... It's the right message. It gives me such a look at me. I'm such a badass. I don't mm-hmm. need no man sort of vibe. Oh, I love that song. I guess I guess the modern version or, or the, the modern sort of I don't need a man to have a good time song is that Doja Cat one. You know, that's my best friend. Yeah, I, I love that one. Doja Cat is something else. She has emerged from out of a pit of nothingness i I mean she just appeared off of tiktok again i'm referencing tiktok Mm. but she just appeared i think one of her songs that was like with the lyrics bitch i'm a cow Mm -hmm. went viral on tiktok and that's how she how she went viral and her entire demeanor of just being like bitch i'm a cow and she my best friend yeah she a real bad bitch like that's how it goes her like how she just she, I, I love her she's just so sweet and goofy yeah and you can tell from her videos that she's willing to make fun of herself which is really important i think for a pop star these days Wow, definitely but if, if a person takes themselves too seriously is that a red flag yeah i think so um we we were talking earlier about like comedy characters who take themselves too seriously and I think that I struggle sometimes with taking myself too seriously 
and it, it, a lot of it comes from being this insecure kid and kind of creating this world where you're doing stuff where you're really good at it. And then if anyone punctures like my my bubble in, in terms of if anyone's if you just want to knock me down a peg or two, just tell me I'm not funny, for example, or, you know, just just tell me that I'm really bad at my job. And that will just send me into a shame spiral for the, for the rest of the day. So I feel like maybe I'm one of those people sometimes and I'm trying to get myself out of that by, by having more of a laugh with people. It's important to know what you can make fun of and what you cannot make fun of. I saw this TikTok yesterday of a guy saying that you shouldn't be insecure about the size of your forehead. Foreheads come in all different shapes and sizes. Yours just happens to be extremely massive. <laughs> so, do you have another red flag to close this off, then? Number 89. He uses sarcasm instead of directly addressing a problem. Sarcasm is funny, but not if it's coming at your expense. Grow up, Todd. Yeah, is the sentence. Actually, there are a couple of things in this article um, where I'm reading it, and I'm thinking... This writer is using it to grind an axe against an X. So mm -hmm. th th there was another one where uh, it just says, this person has a blue and white checked bedspread. I don't make the rules. And I thought, th this is an article that they've published in the hope that this person will read it. That was the impression mm -hmm. I got. Yeah, but and it feels like his name is Todd. Yes. Um, <laughs> so now we know. Um, so using sarcasm instead of directly addressing something... I think sarcasm in general just isn't a very good form of humour. I, I know people say it's the lowest. I, I think fart gags are the lowest form of humour personally, mm -hmm. but sarcasm's down there in the league table. I just I just don't like it. I think it, it requires you to be nasty about somebody else uh, for it to work as a joke. And there are other ways of doing jokes. Uh, and generally sarcasm is punching down and you want to metaphorically punch up when you joke. That's my opinion. I think so too. Again, there's a fine line between um, making fun of someone and then just like uh, taking the piss out of someone. Sometimes if someone isn't very self-aware or if, if they're not very good at sarcasm themselves, they might not even notice the gag and they, they might think that you actually meant the thing. So yeah, it's just better to be honest with people. It's better to give yourself a reputation as sort of straight up trustworthy person um, if that's what you are. If that's what you are. And there are those people that you can't trust. And sometimes people don't find out until they're in a relationship with them. And then someone says, I know them. You know, they're not the person that they say they are. And uh, it can be too late at that point, can't it? That's why I signed the NDA. So um, I think we better uh, break on this episode so that I can ask you who that person is. But uh, do you want to read us out, Lise? You have been listening to Generation What Podcast. It's been an absolute delight with you, Stuart. And thank you to everybody who has been listening thus far. Thank you so that's much. And uh, we, we will catch you up next time. All right. That's it from me. And that's it from me. <laughs>